Hey listeners, quick heads up, we want to give a content warning for this episode. We're talking about trauma and triggers and survival responses. We don't talk about anything terribly graphic or specific in this episode, but we can understand that it could be activating for some people listening. So just make sure that you know that ahead of time and feel free to take care of yourselves in whichever way that you need. My knee jerk is probably more of a fight response, like just based mm. on like what comes up in my body, like I'm in my body tends to be more feelings of like annoyance, anger, aggression, things like that. And, and often that's connected to a fight response. Not always, but often, um, I don't know. I think it's, it's all over the place because yeah. I've definitely also been in situations where it's 100% fun. Yeah. You know, I, I think that especially at this point in one's life, when you've had a good 30 years or so of being in a lot of different threat, potentially threatening situations, both in like very major ways and maybe very minor ways, like you do learn that sometimes depending on the context, very different things come out of you. Welcome to the Multi-Amory Podcast. I'm Jace. I'm Emily. And I'm Dedeker. We believe in looking to the future of relationships, not maintaining the status quo of the past. So whether you're monogamous, polyamorous, swinging, casually dating, or if you just do relationships differently, we see you and we're here for you. On this episode of the Multi-Amory Podcast, we're talking about fight, flight, freeze, and maybe one you haven't heard of, fawn. Fawn is also known as appeasing or people-pleasing. Today, we're going to take a deep dive into what all four of these responses look like, how they might be affecting your relationships, how to determine which one you tend to use in difficult situations, and some tips to help if your response has become unproductive or maybe unhealthy to you. So I just want to quickly shout out uh, a patron who turned me on to this topic in a discussion group that we had recently. Thank you very much, because I had not heard of the fawn. Really? Or, no, I know. Terrible. I haven't. I only heard of the other three. Those are the ones that you think of when, you know, they're talking about you off in the wilderness and, you know, are you going <laughs> to fight, flight or freeze? You're probably not going to try to, like tell the bear hey you're so beautiful okay well you say that now i've got some information to okay. throw at you about right, well about bears I'm excited. a long history of talking to bears <laughs> okay good wow this is gonna be a different episode than what i originally no don't no don't you worry no no i planned. got some stuff to to i okay. got some love it just, okay just just be so excited for it <laughs> okay. jason you heard of fawn before Yes, but mostly in conversations with Dedeker. See, see Dedeker, <laughs> okay. see. Yeah, that's the see. thing is, like, I've been in the mode of learning about trauma and PTSD and yeah. also doing, like, trauma trainings and, like, in the therapeutic world. And so, of course, I'm just like, oh, yeah, yeah, fine. Oh. Everybody yeah, knows yeah, that. Of course. So It's funny because I feel like when I first learned about this concept long ago, it was always just fight or flight. And then later oh. learned that there's fight, flight, or freeze and now we've got fawn. It feels like maybe every few years we're going to discover a new one and add that to F. the list. Maybe next it'll be like fight, flight, freeze, fawn, or fart, fart or something. 
<laughs> or fancy. That's where we went. <laughs> yes. You went to fart. I went to fancy. <laughs> Whatever. That, that, that's fencing. our relationship. No, oh. fencing it would be weird. But an, an option, I guess, against you could fence with a bear. You could yeah. fart at a bear also. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, let's rein it in. And let's do a brief overview of the three trauma responses that I think most of us are familiar with, which is fight, flight, or freeze. So these survival responses occur because of your brain's limbic system. You know, the limbic system is the part of your brain that's wired to go into survival mode if you encounter a bear or a lion in the wild. This is a part of your autonomic nervous system, which is essentially, you know, your nervous system that self-regulates, you know? So it's the kind of thing where it's like stuff like your breath kind of weirdly bridges this gap, I guess, where you both have this conscious control over it, but also your nervous system kind of takes over things like with your heartbeat or the stuff that your organs do. And it's very similar with these survival mode mechanisms is that it's part of your autonomic nervous system. So of course, in modern days, these type of encounters where we truly are fighting for our life, especially against something in the wild or the elements don't happen very often in our day-to-day lives, but we can still, yeah, knock on wood, but we can still have similar responses in many situations. And these are your brain's way of keeping you safe from danger. You know, even if that danger looks a lot different than just a bear coming after you. Uh So the first one is the fight response. So again, with the bear, this would be you picking up a weapon or a rock or a stick or something and trying to fight off the bear that's attacking you. But in a relationship, for example, if your partner says something that offends you, the fight reaction may look like coming back with an angry retort or not backing down, being aggressive, taking actions to manipulate or control the situation, name-calling, contempt, insults, things like that. And as we've talked about before, those hit some of the Gottman's four horsemen of the relationship apocalypse. So don't, don't do those things. These are bad things in a relationship. But it's unfortunate when that fight response that maybe would help save us from a bear can actually cause us to harm our relationships and ultimately are not serving us. Now, if you're in a relationship with a bear. Ah, so- okay. Yeah, yeah, you're right. The bear needs to learn to live with you and not eat you. (laughs) (laughs) That'll be our spinoff podcast someday. Oh, what the dating a bear podcast? (laughs) I mean, we do have to clarify it's like dating an animal bear or like a gay bear because that's also Mm -hmm. very different. Yeah, yeah, it's different than this. I'm assuming we'll start two different podcasts, I guess. Yeah, um, I was thinking about the Gottmans and. So contempt, I think, would fall under the fight and name calling. Is that name calling is contempt? That's fight as well, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Or contempt, Um, yeah. But then like stonewalling, is that more maybe of a flight response? I'll call it a flight slash freeze response. Yeah. 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 And then what's the other one? Contempt. Criticism. Yeah, that's almost a fight response also. And defensiveness also. Defensiveness, yeah, is... Hmm. I don't know. I don't think that the the four horsemen necessarily equally correspond as a perfect proxy to all of these, because I think that your survival mechanism, however it manifests, can can fuel any of those in a particular way. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So let's talk about flight. So with that bear again, 
in the wild, if the bear is running after you, it may just look like you running in the opposite direction. You're trying to, like, get away from the bear by running. I'm assuming the bear is faster than you, so good luck with that. But uh, (laughs) maybe you're Usain Bolt and you've got that bear, you know, way... You're you're fine. You don't have to worry. Um, Yeah, but in a relationship, if your partner says something that upsets you, maybe you leave the room... Maybe you are simply just taking actions altogether to be avoidant of your partner. Maybe you bury yourself in work so that you don't have to deal with the issue at hand or with the conflict that's arising or that's underneath the surface in your relationship. Uh, Maybe you engage in substance abuse and maybe you're fleeing from the problem in that way. The the research that I looked up um, specifically with uh, Pete Walker he talked a lot about that, that sometimes substance abuse is kind of a flight response for sure to kind of exit the situation in in some way. And it can also result in being overly judgmental or a need for perfectionism in others or in oneself and chronically busying oneself to avoid the intensity of an intimate relationship. So there are some similarities here to the avoidant attachment style, which we've talked about in previous episodes as well. There's also connections to particular anxiety responses or nervous responses that sometimes that is your body and nervous system preparing you to run away, but you can't in the situation. Yeah, that's a good and, point. And that's the, you know, can be some of the really, really uncomfortable experiences of your body and nervous system wanting to do something, but but you're just li- literally unable to. Mm-hmm. And then the freeze response, again, in the wild, that can look like standing in front of the bear, just being frozen, you know, waiting to see what it does next, hoping that it'll leave you alone. There's actually two different types of freeze response. There's Hmm. what's known as tonic immobility, which that's like our classic deer in the headlights. So it's like frozen, but the muscles have a lot of high tone. That's why they call it tonic immobility. Interesting. And it's theorized that this is maybe a little bit of like a gas and break at the same time situation where it's like the muscles are ready and activated, but uh, we've hit a point of just like too much activation where we're just like frozen. Um, and then there's also like collapsed immobility and that's the, like the playing dead, you know, mm. or just total complete collapse, you know um, the collapse response is often the last resort response when it's like everything else in the situation hasn't worked to get me out. Like I can't fight. I can't flee. I can't fawn my way out. And so then collapse is literally the last resort. But in a relationship, not with a growling bear, a freeze response might result in wanting to totally isolate yourself or completely abandoning hope that a successful relationship is possible. Uh, Pete Walker, uh, who's a licensed psychotherapist who specializes in adults with PTSD, uh, specifically due to traumatic childhood experiences, says, unable to successfully employ fight, flight, or fawn responses, the freeze type's defenses develop around classical disassociation, which allows him to disconnect from experiencing his abandonment pain and protects him from risky social interactions, any of which might trigger feelings of being reabandoned. We've talked about disassociation a little bit on the podcast. Can you kind of discuss it again, maybe in this context? Yeah, you know, I mean, the classic disassociation response is is a freeze response. It's kind of like a little bit of a shutting out of what's going on 
in the here and now. And sometimes it can manifest, you know, I think especially in kids, like it can manifest as going off into flights of fantasy fantasy, you know, like connecting into one's just like inner fantasy world really intensely. For some people, it shows up as just suddenly kind of feeling cut off from their emotions, you Mm. know, where they can get really activated, really angry, really sad, really angry, really sad. And then they reach a point of just like disassociating away from it and like not feeling any of those things anymore, just kind of like cutting it off. I've heard Uh, even like zoning out to a degree is like a disassociation response. Yeah, maybe in certain situations it's stronger than others obviously yeah. we all kind of zone out sometimes or whatever, well yeah and but, like anything yeah. it can show up on a spectrum from yeah. very mild freeze slash disassociation response to something very very extreme yeah yeah and it's i think we've talked about this at some point in the past but another way that freeze shows up is if you're in conflict and you find you just get really really tired like i know mm-hmm. that for me interesting in in years past in relationships that were higher conflict, that's what would happen to me is I would just be like, I'm just so tired. I, I, just, I need to go to bed. I'm just so tired. Cause that was my body's kind of like shutting collapsing down. and freezing and shutting down and just being like, you can't, you can't do this. So you're just going to shut down. And, and so for me, it would be tired is how I would feel because of that. Hmm. So of all of these, as we've talked about, a few times like these are natural these are things that we evolved to do to help keep us alive uh you know these are things that most animals do some of these if not all of them uh so this is very much normal these are natural however they can they can get out of hand right and a strong reaction or propensity toward one of these responses might not be a big deal if you tend to go toward one uh, but it could also be due to early childhood trauma, like we mentioned, PTSD later in life, um, s- things about the way that you were raised in your family of origin. And while it's natural to have sometimes these overzealous emotional responses that seem disproportionate to the situation, however, if there's a pattern of these things recurring often in difficult situations, especially if you're finding for yourself that they're destructive to your relationships, it might be time to take necessary steps to investigate some of the deeper roots of that and actually get some treatment or therapy for that. There's a lot of great modalities for helping with that. You could reach out to Dedeker and get some more input on it, because as she said, yeah, she's done a lot of research. A PTSD as and well. And not just me. Please don't just reach out to just me. <laughs> Only Dedeker. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> no, but we'll talk a little bit more about that later in the episode. But yeah, for now, we're going to talk about fun because again, this is the thing that kind of drew me to this topic because I had not heard about it before. And so fun is the people pleaser, the appeasing, that kind of thing. And it was coined again by Pete Walker, that psychotherapist that we previously mentioned. And he did it like in this context of discussing fight, flight, or freeze. And fawn is the other sort of trauma response that people can have. And he's an expert on and a survivor of complex childhood PTSD. And he's also an author of a book that is pretty highly acclaimed in the field called Complex PTSD from Surviving to Thriving. And so, so a lot of this stuff came from that. Um, from his writings and from his research on these things. Yeah, so direct quote from Walker. Uh, He says, you know, fawn 
types seek safety by merging with the wishes, needs, and demands of others. They act as if they unconsciously believe that the price of admission to any relationship is the forfeiture of all their needs, rights, preferences, and boundaries. Um, I, I know he lists them as like fawn types, uh, which I think is interesting because I, I, I mean, I do think that, yeah, you can maybe have a predominant type in particular situations or in your life as a whole, but also just want to give a reminder to people that we're all capable of all of these and often all of these kind of responses show up in us. Um, but, you know, basically what he's referring to is that the fawn response results in appeasing people-pleasing or engaging in self-abandoning behavior when faced with a situation that feels threatening. And so this can manifest in the form of having poor boundaries, not being able to say no, um, doing everything you can to please someone so that you can avoid conflict, ignoring your own personal needs, trying not to take up space, being overly agreeable, um, or going with the flow. I've also called this or heard this trauma response being called a flow flow slash fawn so just Mm, trying to go along with the flow um, and not rock the boat even when maybe it's quite appropriate to rock the boat and some interesting evolutionary psychology here is you know basically there is kind of this theory that sometimes when we are threatened often the first place that we the first resource within ourselves we rely on is our most recently evolved portions of our nervous system and our ventral vagal complex is our most recently evolved portion of our nervous system. And that's the portion of us that makes it able to socialize essentially and Mm. be around other human beings. And often that is our first place that we go in a threatening situation. And that can look like choosing to laugh, choosing to make yourself seem less threatening when someone else is around, choosing to try to talk to somebody in a low voice. And so you made the joke about not talking to the bear, but it's this kind of thing where it's like when someone's sometimes threatened by an animal, like you will start talking to be like, okay, hey, it's okay. It's all right. Okay, I'm just going to walk over here. When it's like, it doesn't make any sense, right? Like the Hmm. animal doesn't know what you're saying, they're not going to engage with you socially, but it's like that weird knee-jerk thing that we've evolved to have that still comes up with us. Yeah. That's a really good point. Do you do you remember, Dedeker, from when you were reading about that, what the sort of evolutionary order of the other ones were, if if they do go in that order, where Fawn's the like kind of the first one that your brain would try. Do you remember the order of the others? Yeah, again, if we're roughly looking at timeline and I'm, you know, I'm not a neuroevolutionary historian, <laughs> so don't expect me to be one, but <laughs> be one now. But yeah, we're definitely looking at most recently in our evolutionary history is our nervous system learning to adapt to socializing. And essentially it's like the part of our nervous system that allowed us to be around other creatures of the same species, even though they're within striking distance of us, you know, is this idea that we can socially engage, even though technically these other beings could hurt us if they really wanted to, that that was part of our evolutionary development. And then before that, we get into more of the, the like sympathetic nervous system part that controls the fight or flight, essentially that that's, before that and then the oldest is actually like our dorsal vagal complex which is the freeze or the energy conservation 
for some That makes sense when you said before, yes. that's like, that's our last resort. That's kind of the, mm -hmm. if nothing else is working, that's what happens. Play dead. Yeah. 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 yeah basically that's, that's kind of the oldest one. And of course, that doesn't mean that that's always the order these responses are going to go in. Of course, it's possible to just like skip and hop around and, and, you know, of course, over time, depending on the kind of trauma or triggers that you experience in your life, like you may learn different responses have differing degrees of success as far as keeping you safe or keeping you undamaged. And so that can also kind of create different habits and different knee-jerk reactions within you as well. So it's not always just like a nice, neat little, um, you know, domino one, one effect. One to the other, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Something that I didn't write down, but that I saw in some of my research was that uh, trafficking survivors often do the fun response uh, just to, again, sort of appease those who are, you know, putting them through that situation, who are victimizing them. And I thought that that was very interesting and clearly to maybe a lesser degree, some of us also feel maybe victimized or like the situation is going to be better if I just tend to, you know, downplay or, or make myself as small as possible to make the other person feel bigger and better. So it, it's really interesting kind of looking at this particular response. Yeah. And this is all very nested, of course, within socialization, you know, like depending on what body you were born into, mm -hmm. that can change whether or not you get the message that like, okay, my threat response needs to be to make myself seem less threatening or my threat response is I need to make myself seem more threatening. And that's going to change kind of what the defaults are as well. Yeah, absolutely. So with all this, and we're going to talk about this more in our bonus, but because you have read, you know, some of the research and, and looked at all of this, do you feel like you fall in a specific category Ugh. of these four? <laughs> if you have like a propensity towards one versus the others, for instance, and I know that we all we all can have all of them at other, you know, at different points in our life or different types of conflicts or with specific people, we might, it might manifest more in one space than another, but... Do you have a default? Because I definitely do. <laughs> yes, we know. <laughs> we all know. It's it's funny. I think in in I was thinking about the example with dogs, and that very much <laughs> like my reaction to meeting any kind of dog is to immediately go into this. I guess sort of the fawn behavior of talking to it and like being like, "Hey, we're cool. Like we're hanging out," and like hoping that that comes across and i guess i was just thinking about that because like i know some people that even with freddie who's a tiny little dog that <laughs> yeah. when some people meet him because he's you know gets very excited about people uh that that i'll watch them freeze like physically they'll just freeze huh. up whereas i know wow. my reaction with a dog is like almost to become like a little extra loose to kind of really be like hey i'm cool i'm not a threat to you like don't even worry about it <laughs> so I, i'm not saying that's always my type or anything but just that was something that came up when dedeker was talking about those different reactions what about you dedeker oh gosh uh, i sorry i don't know like all of them probably my knee jerk is probably more of a fight response like just based mm. on like what comes up in my body like on um, my body tends to be more feelings of like annoyance anger aggression things like that and and often that's connected to a fight response not always but often um 
I don't know. I think it's it's all over the place. Because yeah. I've definitely also been in situations where it's 100% fun. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think that especially at this point in one's life, when you've had a good 30 years or so of being in a lot of different threat, potentially threatening situations, both in like very major ways and maybe very minor ways, like you do learn that sometimes depending on the context, very different things come out of you. Yeah, yeah. that's very true. That's yeah. a really, really good point. Yeah. And I, I also think, you know, I, I know I've had this personal experience and I've also heard experiences from other people where sometimes you can think, oh yeah, if X, Y, and Z were to happen, I would totally respond this way. And then when you're actually in the situation, something totally out of left field comes out of you. You know, you find yourself fighting or freezing or flying or, or fawning, you know, and then sometimes there's a weird shame about that afterwards. Mm. Um yeah, that, that's yeah. something that the research on that aspect of how we think we would act in certain situations compared to how we actually do is super fascinating because basically what the research shows is that one, we're actually very bad at 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 accurately guessing how we would react in certain we don't know ourselves as well as we think we do in stressful situations specifically mm. because when we're thinking about it we're thinking with our logical brain but when we're in the situation that's not the brain we're using whether that's stressful like an actual you know frightening scary life-threatening type situation or it's stressful like a job interview or it's stressful like um you're going to have sex with someone and you're trying to decide what sorts of safer sex conversations to have, right? Like anything where the stakes are raised, basically, yeah, that we're really bad at predicting how we're going to act. And not only that, but if we've gone through the experience once, we're not any better at predicting how we're going to react the second time. In fact, sometimes it can even make us worse at it because we're like, oh, well, now I know. Mm -hmm. So next time I'll react this other way. And it's because this stuff is much deeper level than that sort of intellectual brain that we're thinking with when we think these things. Doesn't Stan Tatkin say like the lizard brain or the the primitive brain or something yeah, like I've that heard part? Those terms, yeah. Yeah, that part of you that kind of is more of this just like knee-jerk reaction. So that is interesting. And it's something to think about like how how can I deal with these reactions? Is is it something that one needs to control? Maybe in some situations, yes. Maybe in some situations, no. But yeah, it might be helpful, again, if it is coming up in a way that is unproductive for you and that seems to continue to like not help you make progress in your relationships. So we're going to talk a, lo- a little bit about that after the break. But first, we're going to discuss some ways that you can keep this information and this show coming to everyone out there free. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For a long time now, we've been fans of AdamandEve.com for getting sex toys or lingerie or accessories, things like that. It's just a fantastic resource with a huge selection. And now, not only do we have a fantastic offer, but we also 
have a promo code that will work on adammail.com and evestoys.com, which are their sites specifically for LGBTQ audiences. And our code is fantastic. It's 50% off of almost any item in the store and free discreet shipping when you use our code MULTI. Yes, we love adamandeve.com and have for years. They are our oldest and longest sponsor, and they just keep on giving great gifts to us and to our listeners. You can bring more pleasure and satisfaction into your bedroom by going to adamandeve.com, adammail.com, or evestoys.com and select any one item. It can be, you know, an adventurous new toy or anything you desire, something fun, something sexy, whatever sounds good. So just enter offer code MULTI at checkout and you'll get 50% off almost any item plus free shipping. That's MULTI, M-U-L-T-I at adamandeve.com, adammail.com or evestoys.com. This is an exclusive offer that is specific to this podcast and it's better than any offer that is currently available on their site. So again, use code MULTI to get you not just the 50% discount, but also the 100% free shipping. Code M-U-L-T-I. So... Let's talk about ways to cope with these responses and a couple of disclaimers to piggyback off of what Emily was saying before the break. I have noticed that as more and more people, just like the general public, become more trauma-informed, more aware of PTSD, more aware of these trauma responses, what I have noticed is sometimes there's a little bit of the shift of talking about regulating your nervous system or even co-regulating with your partner, your nervous systems, which is good, but there is sometimes this line drawn where regulating equals calm or like having a regulated nervous system equals having a calm nervous system, which is not necessarily the case. You know, the whole point of this is not to scrub ourselves of these survival responses because we do need them still. Like, Mm. They do protect us. And basically, having a nervous system that's more regulated means that your nervous system is reacting appropriately to what's going on. And sometimes, wanting to run away, wanting to fight, wanting to freeze, wanting to fawn can be a very appropriate response in a situation. It can be the thing that you do need to do. Basically, the question is, and I'm going to steal a Dianaphosia question, which is like, can you feel and can you deal? is what she calls it she's a she's a psychotherapist who like wrote books about like trauma and shame and you know all those cool all those classic topics (laughs) um but yeah it's it's can you feel and can you deal and i really like that phrase because it does kind of set up this container of you know the stuff that's coming up in my personal experience can i let myself feel it am i capable of feeling it and can i deal with the situation you know, and that doesn't mean you don't feel anything. That doesn't mean you're calm all the time. That doesn't mean you never get triggered or threatened. It's just, am I capable of feeling and responding and reacting appropriately? And so that's that's the tricky thing, right? Because mm. all of us are just like floating around in the world, <laughs> um, just like little amoebas in this petri dish coming up against all these different situations and different stimuli and we all have our own history and our own baggage that have led us up to this very moment right now and sometimes we react very appropriately and sometimes we don't react very appropriately because of baggage and sometimes that's okay and sometimes that's really not okay so i'm really painting things with a a broad brush here but just to say that 
if it feels clear to you that having really, really big knee-jerk responses, you know, that are of these survival responses, if they're occurring in your life with a frequency or in such a way that it is robbing you of your well-being or robbing you of your ability to connect with people or robbing you of your ability to live a fulfilling life, then it might be time to, you know, seek out some help, seek out a trauma-informed therapist. Or if that feels like too much right now, even just starting to educate yourself about some of these things. Um, Psychology Today has a great tool that can help you find specifically a trauma-informed therapist in your area. Um, if you just, you know, search for Psychology Today, trauma and PTSD, you know, like they have a search function. The good news is that there's a lot more trainings out there for therapists to become trauma-informed. It's becoming much more of a thing in the cultural zeitgeist, and I think that's a really, really good development. And hopefully we'll keep growing from there that we'll start to have more resources, more professionals who are trauma-informed, so it's not so hard to find somebody who understands all this stuff. So much like jealousy, I think that these responses can kind of act as a barometer for you to look at what is happening in your life, what do I need, what is this telling me, is it appropriate, is it not? And so in certain situations, it might be helpful for you, especially maybe if you're constantly doing fawn, for example, it might be helpful for you to start setting personal boundaries, learning to say no, something I struggle with very much, uh, even setting boundaries with people in your life. And we have done deep dives into boundaries. Oh, have we? So... We did, let's see, episode 178 was the basics of boundaries, and then 227 was rules versus agreements featuring boundaries. These are a little bit more like relationship and polyamory specific, but there are certain nuggets of advice in there that may be helpful to you if you're looking to kind of set some personal boundaries or boundaries, you know, for other people in your life or even letting relationships go sometimes. That may be what you need to do if you know, someone is truly harmful in your life, it may be time to say bye. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bye-bye-bye, exactly. as it were. Ain't no yeah. lie. Exactly. That's the yeah. one. Yeah. That's the one. Uh, also, training in some skills like meditation and relaxation, breathing techniques, things like that, can come in handy when you feel your trauma response beginning to manifest. Deep breathing, guided meditation practice or self-soothing techniques like a hot bath or using a heating pad can be helpful for just actually addressing the nervous system's excitement itself. Oh, so many good hacks for this. Let me, I can't even, okay. We got to do a whole other episode just on like polyvagal nerve theory because it is fascinating let me tell you yeah you know long story short your vagus nerve is like the biggest nerve in your body and it like goes through your entire body like it starts in your brain and goes down your throat and just literally everywhere in your body like vagus means wandering it was the wandering Mm. nerve it's it's wandering everywhere it's a real rambling man this nerve but yeah so your vagus nerve is a part of your parasympathetic nervous system. So it's what slows your breath rate and increases your digestion. And it's like all the stuff that your body does when it's calm. And you can stimulate the vagus nerve by doing things like humming or singing 
they theorize that this is why oming can feel so good or Ooh. why like in yoga the ujjayi breath can feel yeah. so good is because it, it stimulates that part in your throat where your vagus nerve like in runs a calming through. way though not yes. like activating but. yeah yeah in a calming way um putting an ice pack on your chest same thing that these are all great hacks i found for me that especially if I'm just like amped up in some way or super anxious for some reason and I really need to not be, that yeah, doing some humming or some oming or things like that actually really does help. Sometimes it just doesn't even make any sense. Just like humming some kind of nonsense tune or just humming a single monotone note does help to at I'm least try that. That's yeah, cool. I yeah. definitely recommend trying it for sure. Yeah. I do like this if if Dedeker's ever especially prickly some morning i could just go grab an ice pack and just be like here just slap <laughs> it on her chest, on chest. <laughs> put this on your chest <laughs> sit down and home uh-huh <laughs> like it's that. not gonna go well my babe <laughs> yeah <laughs> yikes <laughs> yeah <clears throat> i'm gonna have to resort to my flea response after that one <laughs> <laughs> yep <laughs> okay all right so let's talk about another particular technique for this this is something called rain Purple rain. I wasn't sure which rain song was going to come to mind first, and that was the one. Great. Uh, So so rain is an acronym, R-A-I-N. This is created by psychologist Judson Brewer, an expert on anxiety and addiction. So the R of rain is to recognize or relax. So recognize the feelings that are beginning to occur inside of you and try to mindfully relax the tension away that may be occurring in your body. Then the A is accept or allow. So be present in your experience of the feelings that you're having. This is like when Dedeker talked about the feel and what was it? Feel and focus? Feel and process. Feel and do it. It it (laughs) rhymes. It It rhymes. Feel and heal. No, feel and deal. Deal. Yes, correct. Feel and deal. Feel and real. Took a while. So this is kind of the feel part of that, right? So accept or allow is allow yourself to accept the feelings that you're feeling don't try to run away from them or change them just let them exist as they are sit with them and experience them next is investigate so this is when you can check in with yourself maybe contemplate why these emotions are coming up recognize your own triggers uh, employ curiosity and absolutely empathy for yourself and also you know maybe ask yourself what it is that you really are looking for in this moment Just try to investigate what's going on. And finally, note slash not attach. So note what is occurring, and this can kind of help you be aware of your triggers for the next time that these feelings arise. So, you know, your emotions are valid, but sometimes emotions and reality, they're two separate things. So you might not always be having emotions based on what is actually happening in the situation. It might not be a response that is uh, particularly suitable for the particular situation that you're in. So just kind of recognize that. And, you know, don't stay attached to the emotion. Just allow the other three steps to help you see the reality of the situation. And I also saw this step in some articles called nurture instead of the note or the not attach it also included nurturing as this last step so you can definitely self self soothe in this step and tell yourself that everything's going to be okay we're going to be okay here okay so so rain is to recognize the feeling accept the feeling investigate the feeling and then to 
note the feeling or nurture yourself and just kind of let it go. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. To try I, that I sometime. A, I have a client who shared with me, um, I'm going to try to, to be as non-identifying as possible, mm-hmm. but... But basically, they were sharing with me about how they had recognized that fawning was their dominant response that they tend to fall back on in a lot of threatening situations. And that they, as a part of this, they actually drew like a picture of their little fawn. It was actually a fawn, like a baby deer. Oh, I see. Like an imaginary fawn. Yeah. Yeah. And that they hold that as like kind of a point of of nurturing or of compassion, you know, instead of a point of frustration of, oh, gosh, I always Mm. fawn my way out of these things. And I do these things that I don't mean, but actually offering this like gentleness and care toward that part of themselves, which I think is a great thing to do. You know, something that was really important in my own trauma healing work was, again, kind of coming to that acceptance of all these things that happen in your nervous system are adaptive and they are trying to keep you safe. And and it's like, even though it can be so frustrating if stuff's happening in your body or in your emotions, where it's like, oh, I don't want to be feeling this right now, or I don't want to be reacting in this particular kind of way, but sometimes it can be helpful to, instead of shaming yourself or shaming that part of you, to try to offer a little bit of that sometimes gratitude or gentleness or compassion or even love or even sometimes neutrality, if that's the closest that you can get towards those those parts of you. Yeah, love that. Yeah. So how does this apply to our romantic relationships? We've definitely given some examples up to this point about how this can show up in both your platonic and romantic relationships. Again, these responses can be our body and brain's way of telling us that something is wrong or there is a potential danger here. Or it could be letting us know, ooh, this almost feels like something really painful that happened in a past relationship. We got to make sure that that doesn't happen again. And so in any type of relationship, it can be beneficial to explore if some of these responses are coming up for you over and over and over again. We can explore why that might be happening. Yeah. So this brings us to one of our classic multi-amory aphorisms, which is that it's okay to break up. That that, that, to might, say it. that might be the right thing to do. Uh, that that's okay. That maybe these reactions are an indicator to you that this is not the right relationship for you, at least not right now. Uh, that, that that's a completely valid and okay solution, especially if you find these things recurring. So just, you know, keep that in mind. Traditional relationship advice tells us that breaking up somehow means that you failed, but Unfortunately, that can actually push us into doing things like the fawn response or even the freeze response and just kind of isolating ourselves from our partner or just always trying to placate them. And that's not actually going to lead to you having a happy relationship. And I would argue is even though it seems on the surface like it's making your partner happy, that it's ultimately not making them happy or putting them in a good relationship either. So just something to keep in mind there that we can learn lessons from this and it doesn't always have to result in staying together because that might not be right for you too. So yeah, sometimes these responses come up and it's 100% appropriate and an indicator that maybe this isn't the relationship for you or maybe just not right now. If you're having a lot of these deep survival responses coming up, but you generally have, or at least in your experience, it's a pretty healthy relationship or a relationship that you want to continue to cultivate it may be beneficial to think about, you know, how are these responses affecting you and how are they affecting your partners as well? So if you've identified that maybe in certain situations you default to a fight response, you know, look at how you feel and also how your partner reacts. 
if you're doing things like bringing a lot of aggressive action, aggressive tone, shouting, slamming doors, raising your voice, you know, does your partner retreat or withdraw? Do they also try to fight back in some capacity? Are you able to bring yourself down to resolve conflict or does that fight response stay pretty strong for quite a while? Again, great time to practice halt, uh, take time to stop a conflicted conversation before it gets out of hand. But again, it's a good opportunity to examine kind of what comes up in you and how it lands on your partner. Yeah. So if you're someone who is more flight oriented Maybe check in with how you tend to respond when conflict arises. So do you do things like leave the room? Do you withdraw? Do you try to avoid difficult conversations or questions? Also ask yourself if you ever allow for time to resolve conflict with your partners. Do you just kind of let it bubble underneath the surface? Or do you really sit down and like have very specific dedicated time to speak with your partners about challenging situations? I mean, conflict is necessary. It needs to happen, and it is kind of allows for growth to occur within relationships. So it is necessary in healthy relationships. Uh, so a thing that you can do is take the time to check out our many, many communication tools, <laughs> things like Radar, uh, the Triforce of Communication, and hopefully those can help make your communication with your partner more effective and easier if you have those kind of scripts in place, then you might not be as, you know, quick to just sort of run from the situation and instead try to maybe face it head on and it might feel a little bit safer to do that. Yeah. And then if you're someone who tends to have more of a freeze response where during conflict, maybe you just stay silent or even sulk when those conversations get tough Saying nothing can lead to resentment and cause things to bubble up later on or ultimately make arguments more heated or potentially make it so your partner doesn't even know that these are concerns for you. So something like using the nonviolent communication script as a way to sort of give you more of a structure to bring up things can be a way to help do that and kind of help guide you in that process i think radar neutral yeah radar is also helpful because it makes an intentional space for it but this in addition yeah like like emily said kind of can make it more neutral so a quick recap of that um nvc process begins by just observing what's going on you then describe your emotions not positions so you talk about how, how you feel because of it and not you made me do this thing or you did this thing to me, but how I feel. You identify what you need and then you make a request of your partner. So it's kind of this way of moving the communication outside of directly where the conflict is happening and instead kind of circumvents that to actually get to the real roots of how you're feeling and what it is that you need from your partner and, and asking for that from them as a way to start that conversation rather than just falling further down that pit of, of conflict or, or potentially freezing and running away. And finally, let's talk about fawning in relationship, you know, so things like having poor boundaries with a partner, not being able to say no, maybe walking on eggshells, maybe pretending to be, happier or more pleased or more fulfilled than you actually are around a partner. And I think especially if you're noticing that you do this with a partner and then later you're really resentful, 
of it mm. or have a lot of emotions that come up afterwards could be an indicator of a fraud response as well. And so, yeah, you know, that's another area of growth for looking at are there places where I feel like I can start to erect little tiny boundaries or practice saying no, you know, and this is a great thing, especially if you're in a healthy relationship where this is something that you can actually discuss with a partner to say that like, hey, I notice that just like sometimes in the moment before I even realize it, if I'm scared by a conversation or a situation, I just fawn and I don't realize till afterwards that that's what's happened. And so maybe you can help me. Maybe we can come up with a microscript around me saying no, around me saying what I actually think or find ways to make that a little bit easier. That if you have a partner who's gentle and loving and willing to, you know, hold you compassionately in that, I think that's a great thing to take to them. And if you're someone who does a fun response, sometimes you may kind of default to what your partner wants to do in most situations. And so this could be a great time to start telling them like, hey, I want to go to this place this week with you. Or, you know, I would love to maybe watch this movie as opposed or eat this food when we go out as opposed to just saying, okay, whatever you want, whatever you want. So even little boundaries like that, or just making your voice heard in a way can really like help you move in the direction of making your fun response, not something that is harming you as well. Yeah. I think a quick note about boundaries, since we've mentioned it a lot, as we said, go back and check out those episodes where we go much deeper on that. But something I've, I've definitely experienced is that the term boundaries and the concept does get misused a lot. We acknowledge that a little bit in our episodes, but it's important to keep in mind that the boundary is something for yourself. That when we talk about like erecting better boundaries is more having this awareness of this is the point where I need to put my foot down about something, or this is the point where I need to remove myself from a situation or not engage in a particular type of situation or a particular type of discussion. And you might think that, well, that sounds a bit like fleeing then, right? If you're your flight, right? That I'm just like running away from the situation. And a boundary is different from that. It's not, I'm running away because it's uncomfortable, but it's understanding I've identified that this for me personally is a boundary of a situation that I'm not okay to be in and that's not acceptable or healthy for me. And so I'm going to remove myself. So there's like a different amount of intentionality there, but we don't mean boundaries to just say like, make everyone else do what you say by telling them it's a boundary. A boundary is very much a personal thing and not something to be put on other people like that. So with all of this, we're going to have Pete Walker let Pete Walker have the last word. No, he just has a he has a really good quote here uh, from some of his writings where he talks about all of these responses and kind of what the ideal is. And I think many of you out there probably have, you know, all of these in small doses when they are necessary. And that's totally fine. That's great. So what he says is individuals who experience good enough parenting and childhood arrive in adulthood with a healthy and flexible response repertoire to danger. In the face of real danger, they have appropriate access to all of their 4F choices. Easy access to the fight response ensures good boundaries, healthy assertiveness, and aggressive self-protectiveness if necessary. Untraumatized individuals also easily and appropriately access their flight instinct and disengage and retreat when, con- when confrontation would exacerbate their danger. 
They also freeze appropriately and give up and quit struggling when further activity or resistance is futile or counterproductive. And finally, they also fawn in a liquid play space manner and are able to listen, help, and compromise as readily as they assert and express themselves and their needs, rights, and points of view. Doesn't that all sound lovely? No, it's like a beautiful yeah. fairy tale land. Yeah. I love and I love that none of it is take your trauma responses and throw them in the garbage. Like yeah, it's all yeah, they're there with you, but they're help they are helping you instead of holding you back. I love that idea just in general with, you know, it, there are things trauma responses that I've had in my life that I'm like, god, I wish I could just get rid of that. But instead if we kind of flip that on its head, and say, hey, like, how can this be productive toward, you know, towards the situation or to me and my life? Yeah. And yeah, I think we could have much more compassion for ourselves. Mm. Oh, That's I love that. That's what we all should yeah. have. That's yeah. great. So we all took this kind of weird quiz on the flight, <laughs> fight, flight, or freeze uh, responses and in, in which we kind of tend to go towards more. It didn't include fawn, but... You know, I'm just going to say, like, fun is definitely mine. Um, but it was interesting to look at which one of the three other responses we each sort of fell into which category. So we're going to talk about that in our bonus episode. And then our call to action question for this week on our Instagram is going to be, which response do you use in difficult situations? Fight, flight, freeze, or fawn? So... The best place to share your thoughts with other listeners is on this episode's discussion thread in our private Facebook group or Discord chat. You can get access to these groups and join our exclusive community by going to patreon.com slash multiamory. In addition, you can share with us publicly on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Multiamory is created and produced by Jace Lindgren, Dedeker Winston, and me, Emily Matlack. Our episodes are edited by Mauricio Bavanera. Our social media wizard is Will McMillan. Our production assistants are Rachel Shenowork and Carson Collins. Our theme song is Forms I Know I Did by Josh and Anand from the Fractal Cave EP. The full transcript is available on this episode's page on multiamory.com. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.